What is up, my Good Vibe DJ Tribe, and welcome to another episode of the DJ Spotlight here on Distracting News TV. With over two decades of experience in music, this resilient and innovative artist has made some serious impact in our dance music scene across North America. You may have caught one of her sets at Bass Coast, WMC, Decibel, or ADE. Her involvement, drive, and work with substation recordings, Girls on Decks, and the Alberta Electronic Music Conference is inspiring. Today we are chatting with a set once known as artist Isis Graham on her story, the amazing projects she is running and her insight into the industry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Kilma. You're the best. Thanks for having me on your little show. I love it. <laughs> of course. So if you could start us off, can you take us a bit on your journey? What were the early beginnings of your career like and how did it lead you to where you are today? Yeah, so the beginnings of my career were um, actually I started throwing parties, which kind of got me involved in in the DJ realm. I definitely was a raver before that and just loved raves and parties. And I knew kind of right away that I wanted to throw throw parties. That basically was it. I was so motivated to just be the one curating the music. And there were certain local DJs that I just loved, like John Delirious and Tryptamine and... Um, at the time, there was like Dom G and DJ Rice. Um, and I just, I was super enthralled with the whole idea of throwing parties. Um, and then probably about, I don't know, eight or nine months into that process, after throwing a couple little underground tiny parties at the rugby club here in Calgary, I was like, I want to DJ. I want to do what those guys do. Um, and yeah, at the time, there wasn't very many women DJing. There was... Uh, a honey mustard elaine who's amazing she's such a legend she was a techno dj then but she's also a drum and bass producer and a drum and bass dj now and then of course dj double d who i think has been djing for longer than i've been alive <laughs> um so and then of course marisha i think uh lotus queen came about a few years before me and those girls were so inspiring and so they kind of gave me hope to start djing but kind of jumping onto the DJ scene was, was pretty easy for me because I had been promoting and I kind of had built a network here in Calgary and um, just started to get booked with this group called the Techno Collective who back then were doing these really cool sort of community-based raves where you could do yoga and have a potluck and then music and dancing. and You could bring your family. It was a super family-friendly party scene. So it, it was nice. It was like a nice segue into... Um, being a DJ in the rave scene, it was kind of a gentle land, as I would call it, because I was still only 16, so I wasn't old enough to DJ in clubs yet. So I had a few years of just playing underground parties, and then onto the clubs we went the moment I was 18. I actually had my first residency at the underground when I was 16, but we won't tell anyone that I wasn't of age. <laughs> just kidding. They already know. <laughs> that, that club's no longer anymore. Rest in peace, the underground. But... Um, from there, it was just sort of like a whirlwind. Um, DJed a lot. Had a few residencies at the Cherry Lounge and this place called Manhattan's. Uh, 2003, Molly Fi kind of lassoed me into getting involved with Girls on Decks, and that's kind of when Girls on Decks was born. And then we had a long run. We're well, we're still running, but we had a long run of doing just all-girl DJ parties, which was really cool. And then. I got into music production in 2007 
And I was terrible at it <laughs> for a long time. Um, put out my first record, I think, 2008. And then really, then I really got obsessed with producing for a long time and put out quite a few records between then and now. And uh, yeah, then I got the label going with Casey Rusty Meeks and that was Substation Recordings. And then I started the Albert Electronic Music Conference, which has been the last three years. So just a lot of things. I'm one of those people that's always up to something. I can't sit still. <laughs> I love it. That's so amazing though. And I feel like the more projects we have on the go, the more efficient we are. We're just like, yeah, we have so much time. Yeah. Yes. There is only so much time. I think, I think that it's so important as an artist to kind of stay grounded in that whole time management efficiency piece because it's really easy to just get really lost in one project and then ignore the rest of your life. I mean, as you know, cause you're a parent, I mean, you really have to schedule your time and kind of know where your limits are and, and know when is the right time to let go of certain projects if they're taking up too much of your time. So um, yeah, that, that's always been a battle for me because I'm always like, I can do it. Nothing's going to stop me. And then I get all frazzled and there is too much going on in my life at times. So I've had to make some tough decisions lately to, you know, cut some projects and cut my involvement in certain things so that I can focus on things that I think are the most important thing to do right now. That's such a great point. And I really like that you bring that up. You brought up the thing about time, uh, time management, which mm -hmm. I, honestly, I've only gotten good at it now that I am a parent and I've kind of forced into it. Uh, and then the other thing about letting go of projects that just aren't really working for you anymore. And yep. one of the projects you have been working on, like mm -hmm. Amicon, Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? Amcon. I mean, you can say it A A E M Con. I mean, it's Alberta Electronic Music, so everyone says it differently. It's actually pretty funny to put something out like that and then hear how people digest it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I just added an A in there that did not exist. <laughs> so can you totally okay? <laughs> can you tell me about? your vision behind this project and where you've seen it grow anything you think people really need to know about it well aimcon kind of came about because there was about three or four years ago i was working on this project with habitat living sound called studio social which is a um a group designed to bring local producers together to showcase their work and this community in calgary of music production people whether from all different genres was growing at such a rapid pace. But what I really noticed is that even though people can produce music and they, they are, their output is amazing. And some of them are so talented. I just, my, I want to bang my head against a wall, <laughs> but, like, but they don't have any, they don't have any idea or insight on how to operate in the music business, the larger, the music business at large. They don't know what royalties are. They don't know how to sell their music. They don't know how to make money off music. And a constant complaint you see online is, is people, you know, giving up producing or, or trying because they can't make it in music, which, which absolutely is not true. And there's a functional way to exist in the actual music industry and create money off of your art. But it does take effort and it does take actually being curious enough to dive into that and kind of when I travel to things like ADE or WMC or even Canada Music Week or South by Southeast, you know, the reason why I go there is to sort of 
gather information about the music industry. And I just really saw an opportunity to bring that to Western Canada because there's nothing like it of its kind. We do have Breakout West, which is a great, uh, it's like the Western Canadian Music Awards, but it's not focused on electronic music. And I think there is this gaping hole in Canada's music industry kind of from Winnipeg all the way till Vancouver, Actually, maybe even just between Toronto and Vancouver, there's this big gap of, of no real massive industry. And so to sort of shine the light on all the talent and all the people that are doing things in this section of the country and give them a bunch of tools that they can use for their career to kind of stage it to the next level is kind of what the idea was behind the conference. Um, and our first year, we started off with like 50 little delegates and speakers and then we had about a hundred people come and it was this really cute little thing we basically it was all volunteers and everyone did everything for free and you know we did the best we could to sort of just make it happen and then last year we had about 400 people all together around 70 speakers and delegates and then this year we have over 120 delegates we're expecting around 500 people but the program is insanely huge i can't even believe <laughs> the rate of growth but also the rate of the amount of interest we've had you know companies like roland and moog and arturia and ableton they look at this part of canada and they have the same feeling they're like this is a huge area that's a blank page like there's so much opportunity here and there's clearly an abundance of musicians and artists and people to connect with so we've had such a great time connecting with these kind of bigger industry people from all over the world and sort of drawing their attention to us. So I'm super excited this year in particular, because not only do we have the biggest business part of the conference, but we have some amazing showcases like Octave One is doing a live PA performance and then a breakdown of their M MIDI thing, like their spaceship. Yeah. So they're going to be, that's an exclusive thing to North America. The only other place this has ever happened is at Amsterdam dance event. So well, we're pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, we have, oh, I can't even, 55 blocks of education over three days. And it's so extensive that you really have to pick and choose what it is you want to get out of it because you can't do it all. But I wish you could. <laughs> so our goal kind of over time is to keep building it and making it um, bigger in the sense that every single block of the conference is something that you are excited about and, and that people will really see value in. And I think Alberta is a great place for something like this because we have the tourism infrastructure. Our cities are big enough to be able to handle something like this over a long period of time. And um, we're right in the middle. We're right in the middle of Vancouver and Winnipeg and we can just bring everyone to the center and, and do something like this, which I think is going to be awesome i hope it just keeps growing <laughs> i mean that's what we all hope when we start new projects but i really do hope that people can see the value and like actually see what they can get out of this because um, we certainly don't do it for us we do it for you <laughs> yeah i have been following it for a bit and like from the outside looking in mm -hmm. i see the value i'm thinking oh my goodness, you guys have so many amazing things going on, so many amazing speakers, and people come back from it talking mm -hmm. about it. You see, like with your project with Studio Social, 
Mm-hmm. How many amazing producers came out of that? Oh my God. Were, hundreds, hundreds of people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of people were impacted by that project. So, yeah. so it's I, a great, it's a great feeling to have that sort of for us at Amcon, the best, the, the biggest win is probably the few weeks after the conference when you can see all the new collaborations and you can see people talking about like their newfound oh i suddenly know about royalties and publishing and you're like yes that's the win right there because it clears up all those blind spots you know it's awesome i love it (laughs) i think it's so amazing that you're doing this and it sounds like you have such a great team behind you as well supporting and yeah helping to make this thing work it's all DJs too. Like our team is, our accountant is a DJ, uh, Shauna. Like our our social media person, Dane Hanson, is a DJ. We've got Andrew Williams, who's Dunmore Park, who's a DJ, and then our marketplace manager is Kill Mitty, who's like a live PA artist. Um, every single person on our team, from numbers to marketing, is is a DJ and uh, and or producer and or event organizer so there's nothing about this that's coming from anywhere outside of this from this industry there's we really are coming at it from a grassroots perspective with our ears and hearts like right on the pulse of of what's going on in this community (laughs) yes i love that a real labor of love (laughs) oh yeah. yeah and speaking of labor of love and community and building that it's incredible to see that Girls on Decks is celebrating a 15-year anniversary. Yeah, it's wild. Right? Wow. Yeah, it is like, really crazy. <laughs> what has your role with the collective over the years, and how has it impacted you as a whole? Well, I think the my initial role was a, was basically a DJ, but Krista Krista's always been the absolute ship driver for for girls on decks and for the first few years i was definitely we were rallying and getting support and you know bringing girls on and then when we went into sort of the next phase where we were getting more and more women involved i was doing more of like website designs and podcasts and dealing with all the technology krista might not admit it but back then she really hated technology she's really good at it now but um so that was kind of my job there for a little while and then when uh girls on decks kind of took a turn for uh being more like pride event based and they were doing a ton of uh they had their true color series i was less involved um but that was also during a time when i was producing music and kind of was less involved in general with a lot of projects because i was being pretty self centered in terms of how i was spending my time um i definitely took a way lesser role and and you know during that time krista sort of took the project and rallied all these new women and all these new people in the community and brought them on board. And it's just kind of, it's been amazing to watch not only her develop as a leader, but develop this platform and then kind of see the impact trickle out. I think her and I both at one point just felt like no one really cared about what we were doing. And then I think somewhere around our 10 year mark, we were, we just kept getting all these people being like, if it wasn't for Girls on Decks, we never would have had our first gig. If it wasn't for Girls on Decks, we never would have had our first mix. And we were like, oh, oh, we, we did do something there for somebody. Whoa. <laughs> like, so it kind of started as like a selfish thing where we just wanted to have big chicks playing together and we wanted a great, like empowered group of women um, 
just doing things they wanted to do without anyone stopping us. And then it sort of became like this impact. This, we started to impact others and we didn't really know how, <laughs> or we didn't even know, realize that was going on. But um, it's been especially special, I think, lately um, for Krista, because I think, I think people really do resonate with the project now that they've seen it have this kind of longevity um we definitely get flack for the name these days girls on decks we've been called out by other women saying that it you know it infantilizes women by calling them girls and it said they say that it's a non-inclusive name which which is a struggle for me because the basis and foundation of this operation is to be ultra inclusive of queer and and, PO, and people of color and all kinds of dynamic diversity and so that's where it came from i mean duh. it's just like what do you do at 15 years you're gonna change your name i don't know so those are the kinds of funny weird things that we're dealing with but i think we're just gonna full stream ahead and just keep doing what we're doing and let the haters hate huh yeah like <laughs> I mean, if that's, if that's where y'all want to put your focus, all right, then we'll just yeah. keep going forward. Yeah. We're going to keep taking the train straight forward. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I like how you mentioned that people were giving acknowledgement and then suddenly it was like, oh, oh, hey, okay, cool. I think that's so important. We forget to do that. Somebody has some sort of impact in our life and we forgot to yeah. say like, hey, what you're doing means so much to me. Like, please yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, because there was a moment where we really were like, should we just like fold it in or what? <laughs> fold it in. Yeah, and then we didn't, so. Um, I am too. <laughs> it's important. There's a lot of like all-female um, collectives these days. And a lot of them are getting great, great recognition. I'm so happy for that. And I'm happy that we could have, we could provide that in Calgary of all places. Cause I don't think, I don't think the prairies really has the best rap in terms of, you know, being open-minded or, and I think that's unfortunate because uh, like at the ground level, there's been a lot of initiatives like this that have existed for a long, long time. And in fact, sometimes a lot longer than some of these bigger things that are getting more popular on the internet now. <laughs> so I don't know. I think, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely quite the switch happening right now. Oh yeah. It's nice to, it's nice to be a part of that and see it. Speaking of, you know, projects, you kind of talked a little bit about letting go of projects and starting up new ones and taking a step back. You've recently resigned as AR with Substation Recordings to yep. focus on other projects. I think that letting go and or passing things along to somebody else is not an easy decision. No, no. For you, how did you know this was the right move at this time in your life? Yeah, so obviously Substation was like a super passion project and Casey uh, brought me on with the label in I think tw late 2013. So really like that's five years ago, which is, I can't even believe that much time has gone by. Um, and it was such a fun project and it was super useful for me to kind of learn about the other side of, of running a record label. As an artist trying to get onto record labels, it was super useful for me to understand the process on the other end. And I'm really grateful for that experience. And it, I think in terms of what we did and how we involved Canadian music and kept it really localized, I think was really special and super important for the 
time that it was that we were really pushing hard on that. And I think it's still super valid. Um, but I had to go, once I started with AIMCON and we really got to this third year, I really had to sit down and go, okay, how many projects can I really do where it's like almost a volunteer basis and where the essence of what it is is really similar, which is helping other people realize and actualize their career and supporting them in this way. Like how much of my personal time can I give to this concept as a whole? And, um, yeah, it took me like seven months to make that decision. And it was obviously hard. And actually not a lot of people know. I just sort of resigned. I didn't really want it to be a point of attention because it really doesn't affect the label or how it's going to run or its future because Casey's going to keep going. And I'm sure he'll involve um, great people to, to keep going. And I think, you know, we still have lots of shirts to sell <laughs> when the brand is really, really strong. And I think it, it has a long future ahead of it but it was a hard decision for me because I just I really liked A&R I really liked curating music and working with artists to sort of develop their sound I think one of my biggest rewards from from doing that was sort of people would send us demos early in their career and we'd be like well no it's not really quite there yet you know in a couple of years get back to send us more demos and then we would have artists like three years later send us like a well-developed concept and you could hear the evolution in this person's obviously technique but ability and everything and you just be like there there it is that's exactly the, the thing we've been looking for for people to grow and challenge themselves to rise to something so i'm gonna miss that part but aimcon really does fill the gap for me so i have to have to focus i we only have so many hours in the day <laughs> yeah where you want to spend that time yeah exactly and, like on that on that note I don't think that people necessarily understand that, um, you know, maybe as a DJ or producer, that there are so many things that can be going on at once. And sometimes music, music actually takes a back seat so that you can go yeah. or, or focus on projects like this. What has that process looked like for you? And how do you get back into the studio again after taking such a long break sometimes? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'm still exploring that. Definitely, uh, it's been two years since I released a record, a little bit more than that since I produced a record. Um, after I had an eye injury at a festival that basically disabled me from being able to look at screens for long hours, and it really uh, was about a six-month process to heal from. And so during that time, I completely lost the habit of going in the studio and scheduling time and making myself be creative and then when I got back in I was just so distraught and upset with myself because I kind of like forgot everything I learned it's it's crazy how you just assume that once you get your workflow down to like writing a track in three hours and you have everything going that it's just always going to stay like that but no there's a reason why there's a saying practice makes permanent or practice makes perfect and that's because you literally have to do it. If you don't do it, nothing's going to happen. So I literally got myself into like a phase of unproductivity with, with music and that then got filled with other projects. And so then now I'm here two years later going, Oh, I need to make some music. And then I get in here and I'm like, Oh, I don't know where I'm going to even start. But you know, after getting substation kind of off my plate and AIMCON is really like six weeks out now. So it will be, Definitely no studio time until after that, but really I'm going forward with this notion that I need to 
like literally block time in my calendar to, to sit in here. And if all I do in this room is stare at my keyboard, <laughs> at least I scheduled the time and made it so that I'm in here farting around. You know, I think that's some people, I think what I did that's wrong is I obsessed about output and I, and I think you have to be conscientious of output when you're really doing a lot of work. Someone who's really great at output and focusing is a local artist named Cloves, who I think you've interviewed before. She's amazing. Um, she, or they're amazing. They know how to really focus their time and energy into projects and the output is so consistent. But I think when you're getting back into it, you can't be so obsessed with output. It just needs to be one small victory at a time where you're doing, you're like, look, I made a drum beat. Sweet. That is a success. I need to be okay with myself doing very small things and, and having a lack of productivity. Um, but having the small, tiny bits of productivity mean a lot more. Um, I had a label manager that I did a record for. I saw him this summer in Germany and he said, Hey, look, you know what? Most people are putting out way too much music and a lot of it is garbage. So here, I'll tell you what, if you only write one record every four years, but every one of those records is really good. That's a way better outcome than putting out 70 records and only having, you know, 10% of them actually be viable music. Like to have it be music that will stand the test of time and speak your voice for you over time. And I think that was like a, a light bulb moment for me. I was like, okay, I need to just stop making myself feel bad for not doing this. I can get back into the studio and I will make more music because I can't not. And it's, it comes out of me all the time. So I just, I just have to focus really. I like that you mentioned that though, that we can be so critical of ourselves and that we need to just celebrate those tiny victories. And the other thing you said that was really important is blocking off time to do those things that are important to us. Because, and I've said this before, and I can't remember who, who said it, who the quote comes from, but um, perfectionism can become procrastination and procrastination has a lot to do with like fear. So a lot of the yeah. time we put things off because it's like, well, what if the tune I make sucks? And if it yep. sucks, am I going to be critical? And then I'm not going to want to get back in the studio. So I'm just going to watch Netflix for an hour. Yeah. Just, it's easier not to, right. It, it isn't easy to make music. Like even if you're good at it, even if you're naturally inclined and, and you can be a wizard with MIDI cables, which I'm not like, that is hard for me making music. The musicality of music for me is what comes naturally, but the technology, like getting MIDI stuff to work, I will throw it out in the street. I get so frustrated. <laughs> so like all that stuff is in, it's not fun for me, but then when I figure it out slowly and then have these small achievements, it's pretty great. Like when I got my uh, TB3 to talk to my TR08, I was like, woo, might as well throw a party now because I figured it out. But then the next day I forgot how to do it again. So I had to have the same moment the next day. It was really funny. Like you're not always going to remember everything. You're not going to be good at everything. Nothing's going to be, not everything's going to be immediate. And that's, that's okay. <laughs> Well, watching your journey is incredibly exciting and inspiring because you've also moved with music as well. I remember when you were producing dubstep for a while there. Yeah. And I I remember hearing your music and thinking, oh my God, <laughs> this is so inspiring and amazing and just happens to be a woman as well. 
and and then you you know with the label and MCON and Girls on Decks. It's so wonderful. You're consistently helping out your community and being the example that a lot of us need to see um, mm-hmm. so that we can remind ourselves, like, yeah, you can. keep going, keep going, keep going. Because you've been in, in the industry for years and you come from humble beginnings, you know, mm-hmm. making like curating the shows and then learning how to DJ and then getting into the production and I mean, you're still doing all of those things. You're doing such a wonderful job. I know mm-hmm. here in Winnipeg, you've got quite the name. I love Winnipeg. Winnipeg's my favorite. <laughs> love you, Winnipeg. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show today to talk to us about your experience and all the wonderful insight you have. Is there anything that you'd like to end off with? Thoughts, comments, upcoming shows, <laughs> releases? Um, well, I'm excited. I'm really excited to be playing. I'm playing at Open Studios in Vancouver on December 1st, which is my first kind of long format DJ set in Vancouver. It's like going to be a, at least a three hour set late, late night. And I can't wait for that. Um, gosh, what else? We, well, we have our 15 year anniversary party that we're planning for Girls on Decks, but it's going to be in the new year. That's for sure. I think I'd like to close by saying that you can really do anything you want to do, right? I think we get really stuck wishing and dreaming that we had something else and it's easy to get stuck in a little loop where you're just not doing it because you're scared. Like you, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and people always ask me like, how do you manage this schedule? How do you do these projects? How do you not go crazy? And like, the answer is I do go crazy <laughs> and it is hard. And I have to sacrifice a lot of things like family time and, you know, relationships are strained when, you know, it's the three weeks before AIMCON and I'm literally like, ah, um, my job, I'm strained at my job and everything does get compromised a little bit, but building systems around support and having friends that can help you and being great at communication makes it so you, so you can do anything. So it's, you know, taking on big projects and having big goals and dreams and taking on problems is really I think important to keep yourself excited and invigorated in this business because if if you truck along and you're just finding DJing and gigging is tiring like you're right it is tiring it's like a really hard part of what we do Uh, and a lot of the rewards that come from being in music come from sharing and collaborating and like communicating your legacy but also the legacy of music overall through the events that we do and the music that we play and i think it's important to always have another idea like a thing that you want to do and just take it on try it you can do anything i tell all the girls and girls on decks you can do anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah all i can see is the emojis when i do uh alana and uh, why am i having a brain fire right now broad city you can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. I love it. I, well, there was one thing that you said to me uh, a few years ago when we were at Bar I, or mm-hmm. and we were talking about Cubase, and you're like, girl, you just gotta like learn. You gotta freaking just don't expect anybody to teach you. Just go yeah. manual and go on YouTube, and like, no one's gonna teach you. You gotta teach yourself. And then, like, of course, if somebody does try to teach you, okay, cool, but don't expect it. 
Yeah, you can't wait around for that. Like, it's not, that is not going to come. And you know what? One of, one of the biggest things I've learned lately is, like, ask for help. <laughs> I'm, like, one of those people, I'm sure you're much a lot like me, but I have a hard time being like, hey, I need someone to show me this thing. I don't get it. Like, I had to cry for help to get my MIDI stuff set up. Like, it was a nightmare, and I was finally like, I can't do it by myself. I need someone to help me. Someone come over here and show me what I'm doing because I have no idea. And then it was, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable like that. And it's hard to admit that you can't, but then you can after because someone else totally can. And they're going to come here and take three seconds and then you're going to be like, I get it. Yeah. Like this button. You're like, are you? Oh my God. (laughs) So many times. And you know, the funny thing is every time I get stuck in my DAW, I go in the group and I ask a question and then I figure it out 30 seconds later. Totally. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I will figure it out on my own. Sometimes typing out what the problem is for me will make me realize the sequential thinking involved required to solve the problem, which is amazing, yeah. especially in a DOS, especially like Ableton. Because mm-hmm. Ableton is like, it's so intuitive that it's almost too intuitive. And sometimes you assume that it's going to be way more hard, like way harder than. It, it is. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's how. And it's done. And then you're like, I'm an idiot. Why did I get that? <laughs> you're amazing. And I love everything that you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> for the rest of you all that are tuned in, make sure you let us know if there's anything that really stuck out to you in this interview, maybe something that inspired you, that resonated with you. Let us know in the comments below and we will have links to her page so that you can check out all the things she's got going on, especially if you want to go to the music conference and you know you're, you want to go to the music conference. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> So until next time, don't let no one kill your vibe.